This is a production of Dirty Mo Media. Hey everybody, it's Dale Jr. back again for another episode of the Dale Jr. Download with my co-host Mike Davis, Matthew Dillner, Leah. Everybody's in the house. We got a great show today. We're going to tell you about the best way to get some real cool stuff at pristineauction.com. Speaking of cool stuff, we also have the president of NASCAR, Steve Phelps, coming in. Live, Ash Jr., and some unreal, odd history. Let's go. Race car driver someday, race car driver someday, race car driver someday. It's a great sport. I love it to death. You know, race. That's weird, Matthew. It's weird. I was really proud of that one. Yeah, I mean, as as usual, man. All your, all your, uh, all your show sound elements are amazing. Anyways, uh, we got a great show. We got Steve Phelps. Little Dale. Little Dale was just here. (laughs) Steve Phelps coming in in a bit, president of NASCAR. We're going to try to get the goods, man. This will be a tough interview, I think. I'm a little nervous about it. You know, there's a lot of pressure. I don't know if you saw this on social media, but they were like, don't just be softball questions, Dale and Mike. (laughs) Yeah. You got to ask them the hard stuff. Well, okay. what is that, yeah. dear friends? I took a lot of direction from Twitter. We put it out there. We're going to ask what we want to know. How about that? Yeah. That's a good starting I place. Did, I did put in some of the some of the curious things that Twitter had Okay, in my list. I stand corrected. Well, we'll see. All right. Um, anyways, we got had some interesting things in the grassroots short track racing segment of the show. Um, did you guys see the it's South Boston? Oh, uh, The crewmen oh, running boy. out on the racetrack. So... Correct me if I'm wrong. So Lee Pulliam yep. and uh, Philip Morris. Philip Morris are out there racing. They're running second and third. And I watched a replay of the accident. Philip got into Lee just a little bit. Nothing. I mean, short track racing, totally cool. Used him up just a little bit to get by him, but nothing crazy. And as soon as they get in the next corner, Lee was Lee just dumped him. I, it's hard to tell whether Lee was expecting to check up like that, but Lee really didn't give him much of a chance. It turned around Phillips' car. Phillips was back into the fence, and uh, they had a red flag. Philip Morse's crew chief um, runs out on the track, throws his radio at Lee's car, and then runs around to the passenger side, uh, apparently, uh, to get in there and, and rip out the wiring harness. Now, um, I'm not sure if that's entirely true or not. haven't heard that from him himself, but... I would assume that would be why you'd run around to the passenger side of the car, not the driver's side where the driver is, but um, which is a great thought if you're like, oh yeah, you're, I'm out of the race, your ass is out of the race. Yeah. I'm gonna pull the damn wiring harness out of your car and and you'll be done. Uh, in this moment, as he's reaching in the car, kind of climbed into the car, Lee fires his car up and pulls away. Now, knowing how much time it takes to flip to get a car started and drive off, I'm assuming that he was starting that process before the guy was in the car. Yeah, at least a split Maybe. second before the guy was. I'm gonna assume because yeah. you gotta you gotta crank the car. These things aren't just it's it's not a. You don't have a key. He went pretty quick. Whew. Yeah, so I think he. I don't think he was like, oh, okay, you're in the car. Watch this. I think he was probably thinking, I'm gonna drive away as soon as this guy gets out of the way and comes around the nose of the car. I'm moving because he's coming to me. I, I know he's gonna try to get in here and do something. Um, dangerous situation, and we, uh, you know, a lot of people were mad at both. Both parties. Right. Well, let, well, let's be clear. You said he pulled off. 
He gunned it. Yeah. This guy, he <laughs> slung him like a rag doll. Right. This guy comes barreling out of the window, as you would if you're hanging half in out of a window. And, I mean, just, you know, is rolling over. I mean, he gunned it. Gunned it. Looked like a drag car. They ejected, they ejected the crew chief, um, which I think was a smart move. I mean, obviously, you got to police a little bit of that. You also, that we see that all the time. And, Matthew, I'm going to let you come in here because – Bowman Gray Stadium, I mean, this is sort of the thing they're known for, uh, the madhouse. This is exactly what we see, maybe not every week, you're there every week, but it's often that the madhouse gets mad, and while stuff happens, guys are chasing each other in and out of their race cars around the racetrack. Police are all the time having to intervene and get involved, and it's part of the show. It's fun, as long as you understand that it's in the confines of that racetrack. Um, so there's, some, there's, there's a twist of this that is healthy, but at the same time, I think it crossed a lot of lines and very dangerous uh, situation for, for that crew chief. And I, I hate it for the guy, but I think he needs to get suspended for, for a while. No, which guy? The crew chief. Yeah. The, the guy that went out there. Yeah. Heck yeah. But is the driver at all responsible for this? I mean, <sighs> I think this is a question that you must ask. It would be setting what? a new precedent. I don't, I don't know. I mean, listen, listen. I, if would. the guy gets hurt or if the guy dies, yeah, is is the driver not responsible? I mean, yeah, I guess he is. But but I'm I'm going to say this: like you alluded to Bowman Gray, how this is part of the spectacle. Yeah. This isn't normal at most racetracks. But my opinion is this: if it's a driver versus a driver, human versus a human, all right, right. If it's a car versus a car under caution or something, I think it's a s show. But whatever, it's fine. You don't. Do driver versus car, car versus driver. So if you're going human, in there, yeah. a human versus a car, like yeah. that, that deal I don't like at all. Yeah, like where, wherever it happens. I think that the 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 mistake is made when the guy decides to go out on the racetrack. Yes. He's the one. He's responsible for putting his ass out on the racetrack and putting them both in that situation. Um, so I think that you know the 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 crew guys can't go out on the racetrack and no. and beat on other cars and do do whatever they're going to do. So that's the first mistake. And, and that domino starts, you know, that's, that starts all the dominoes. We don't have a problem. We don't have Lee pulling off, firing his car up, driving away or anything if the guy doesn't go on the racetrack. So I think there needs to be rules initially laid down, some sort of precedent set on what the penalty and fines will be. So those guys will know when they're signing that ticket to get in that racetrack in that morning that if they go on the track, that they're not coming back for a few weeks, if not longer. And so instead of learning what the penalty is and learning what – the, the damage is after the fact they should know this going in so um maybe it would deter those guys from ever doing anything like that because he th- this is i believe the crew chief for phillips car and uh, a guy that is well respected by at least philip uh because philip's very successful so um you know he wouldn't want to have to miss races or not be allowed to go to the racetrack and compete at, uh, at a place that they're running at weekly and maybe wouldn't do that but l- l- let me ask you guys again I, not to go back to this point but we all agree it was dumb for yep. anybody to run out to, on a racetrack. That's obvious. It's also dumb to go against a car. Yeah. No brainer. What is the driver supposed to do when you have somebody attacking you? Because if you're going to be responsible for the outcome of that person, and I think you would be, I think that you would have charges pressed against you if that person gets hurt. You would be in an investigation for sure. You would be in an investigation for sure. Like your life will be uh, changed at that point. 
So what are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to let the guy rip out your wires? Are you supposed to take punches? How do you defend yourself when you're in a car? Is gunning it the only way to defend yourself? Which I would say I would hope not. Because I don't. I think gunning it, listen, there's a lot of other examples on this. I mean, I saw Brent Wentz had sent a lot of uh, videos from back at his home track where you had one even look worse than that. What are the drivers supposed to do when you have somebody going at you like that? I think that I agree. Like if, if the driver guns it and runs over this guy, hurts him, kills him, you're going to be in an investigation. You're part of that process. You're getting investigated. It's, it's a bad situation for everybody. But at the same time, I can understand that that gut reaction, you're not thinking. You're just going off of instinct at that point. Do you know the guy's coming in there to tear the, the harness out of your car, and you're thinking, well, I can move this car. I can move it away from here. Yeah, I can get away from it. Yeah, and so the instinct to fire the car up isn't as simple as the instinct to run out on the damn track and do something to the car. Yeah. Um, if you stop that first incident from happening, you never have to worry about the driver and what he's going to do. But short track racing, man, we love it, and we're <laughs> going to talk about it every week, especially when we get stuff like that coming in. Junior Motorsports had a great weekend at Texas Motor Speedway. I want to mention that because Jeb Burton, he uh, first first race in our car, finished fourth. Yep. And one thing I learned in that whole process is that Jeb's name is not from Jebediah. I thought his name was Jebediah. <laughs> what? Why do I think that? I don't know. But I'm looking at his – I've read his name. is <laughs> His name is John Edwards. John Edward Burton, the fourth. <laughs> All right? Yeah. And so his initials, J-E-B, is why they call him Jeb. I never knew that either. I didn't either. I, I didn't I was either. wondering what your notes meant. Where I was like, his, what is this code? Where his dad got Ward from is from Edward. Edward. He's Edward the Third. Ward, Ward, Edward. So who knew? I mean, I'm just, you know, learning something new about these guys. I thought that was real interesting. I think it's even more interesting that you thought it was Jebediah. Like, that's immediately where your head went when you said <laughs> I, I know it was Ward. Too, like he was born in 1860. <laughs> well, knowing, <laughs> Biblical times. Knowing Ward, I could see him naming his son Jebediah. <laughs> that's true. If anybody's going to name their kid Jebediah, It'd it would be, be Ward. Ward. You're right, it would. <laughs> Michael Annette had another sixth-place finish after six races in the Xfinity Series this year. His average finish is 7.5. Wow. And no one's hating on Michael now. No. Social no. media is off of quiet. Solid speed from the seven and the nine car. Just a great weekend. Um, NASCAR, no, the NASCAR schedule was released last week. Uh, we're going to talk about that with Steve Phelps a little bit, so I, I don't want to really get into that right now, Mike, but what yeah. do you think? Everything I saw, I liked. You like? Okay. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, they got to shake it up. I, I like it when they shake it up. So, um, you know, th there was nothing in there that I was like, oh, that sucks. Yeah. Now, I know there were some people that thought that, you know, there were unfortunate things. And if I'm a specific track like Homestead, I'd probably have issues. <laughs> but from a fan standpoint, I don't know. Kind of like it. I do, too. Yeah, and I, and I kind of like what I'm hearing that may, you know, may see next year. Mm -hmm. we'll, I, yeah. We'll talk that, to him. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on there with, uh, with that. Uh, doubleheader at Pocono. They're going to finish the season at Phoenix. I question that decision because I don't think that Phoenix. I don't know that Phoenix can deliver for a championship race. Great restarts, but after that, it sort of it sort of plays itself out, and there's one or two dominant cars. But either way, it's a championship race, so it may look completely different than anything we've ever seen at Phoenix before. Sure. Um, I got a question for you. Yeah. Because I don't want you to have to answer this in front of Steve Phelps. Okay. okay. Put your go back into Driver Dale. Yeah. Not TV analyst Dale, because TV analyst Dale's happy about everything and just letting <laughs> sees the sport from a whole new lens. Yeah. Everything's great. Yeah. Go back to Driver Dale, the okay. the ornery, the weekend guy. <laughs> I got the freaking message here. Okay. 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 <laughs> yeah. Attitude Dale. The figure. You just got him into ornery Dale. Okay. It's perfect. Two races at Pocono in the same weekend. 
Yeah. Would you like that? Hell yes. <laughs> you would have? Yes. Going there twice in the matter of about a month's period of time was a pain in the ass. I like going to Pocono, but having to go back again four weeks later pretty much was not fun. Okay. Yeah. It's going to be easy. It's going to uh, easy. It's going to be nice. They're going to be short, shorter races. Yeah, I like it. They're not going to be no. you know, the 160 to 200 lap races that we've had there in the past. They'll be shorter, and it'll be fun to process that race and go over what you're going to change and try to have a great personality and a great attitude and, and, and upbeat uh, feeling about the next day. I think double headers are something that I would have loved to have tried. Oh, come on. Yes. I, you remember when you had double duty weekends? That was driving different cars going from Xfinity to Cup, and the practices always laid on top of each other. And you'd be late to one practice and then have to get out of the car early sometimes to get to the next practice. It was okay. a real pain in the ass. So I remember it right. You hated those. You hated I did not double. like running both Xfinity and Cup in the same weekend. Right. It was real, it was too much work. That's well, a, that's it was not too much work. It was more work than I was willing to do, wanting <laughs> right, to do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not too much work. <laughs> Good clarification yeah. there. Right. <laughs> but doubleheader is great. Uh, we, you won't have to go back there again. That's a great trade trade off as a driver from a driver standpoint. Obviously, Dover or, or Pocono would love you coming there every week of the summer, but we're not going to do that. Um, I think that they were eventually going to lose that date entirely. Uh, and be be down to one event. This is sort of a great compromise for Pocono Speedway because they get a doubleheader, the first of its kind, uh, in in several decades. Apparently, they used to run doubleheaders all the time back in the '60s and '70s when races didn't count. But I think that's great. We're going to Phoenix at the end of the season. Uh, a lot of great cutoff races. What are the cutoff races, Mike? They're Bristol, Martinsville, and the Roval road courses and short tracks. Oh, goodness. all right. So apparently, somebody's starting to figure out that those mm-hmm. are pretty cool places to go race at. <laughs> right. So hopefully. We can't bring in new short tracks. We can't bring in Nashville today yeah. or for this schedule. We can't bring in new road courses just yet. There are agreements in place that still have to be honored. That's the only reason why we were able to just shuffle around races. But coming coming into uh, the end of 2020, the agreements end in 21. In 2021, new agreements will be signed, possibly with these new short tracks or new road courses included. We'll talk to Phelps about that. Yeah. is, is Of all that stuff, is that the part you like the most about the schedule shakeup? The, the fact that you, the cutoff races. What no. did you like? What did you like the most? Um, I, the Atlanta being moved, I think, because I want that track to survive. It's going to yes. die at the second date of the re, of the year. It's not going to survive much longer. So I'm hoping that we can keep Atlanta around. And uh, maybe you know, getting on that West Coast swing is going to be tough for the industry because that basically puts two very very big events back to back: Daytona and Vegas. Big events for the industry. All the people that are trying to handle hospitality and all that stuff you've got you, you're moving a lot of things uh across the country and trying to prepare and, and pre- have a lot of things in place for that race weekend that's going to be tough for the industry but i wish dover would have went to a double header mm. um mm-hmm. you know i think that'd be a place that, that was another track i did not enjoy going to twice i, I didn't i don't think we need to go to any of them well I, we're getting a little further in this now, won't we? But I, I know, but I just was curious on what you, you've told me things you didn't like about it. Yeah, but but I didn't know what you liked about it. Uh, the Martinsville night race is going to be amazing. That'll be nice. I yeah. hope that they can move that into a warmer time of year. Every race wants to be in the freaking perfect weather, right? But not night at Martinsville in early spring, basically the the end of the winter time is going to be. I'm sorry, end of end of fall uh, at the start of fall, fall is right. going to be. It's going to be cold. Yeah. 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 Well, maybe uh, the action will warm us up a little bit. I think last It'll time we raced there and it ended at night where, um, you know, Ch- chasing. chasing them got into it. It was chilly. It was. But 
Maybe that helps with the, tem- uh, the hey, temperature I, of the drivers. We, we weren't complaining about yeah. the temperature when we left, I'll Man, tell you that. Makes them a little we were, ornery. We were loving what we saw. Yeah, I know. Right. I, I, I like uh, I like that. I, you know, people were upset about Daytona getting moved off of July 4th. I really don't care. You know, we used yeah. to have an off week before Daytona. Oh, let's talk about you and Daytona. You say one little comment about what you wish Daytona would do, and all of a sudden it made a social media what? firestorm. You said on NASCAR America that you thought it would be a good end race, yeah. uh, end of the year race. Championship race. Ugh. Yeah. Championship race at uh, Daytona. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, where, yeah. It, where it all started. Well, I mean, listen, I, I wasn't going to say well, whether I agree be, or disagree. It's, it's, I just thought you created a firestorm. It's good enough to be our Super Bowl, but we don't want to have it in championship race. Good Lord, everybody. <laughs> well, Grow a pair. Oh, stop. <laughs> yeah. God, you <laughs> bunch of babies. <laughs> You're the only one that thinks that, though. I'll, I'll cry. I'm I'll not. Admit. You're you're not the only one that thinks that uh, it's really? a good idea to end if you the went, year you, Daytona. If you would go on social media, you would have noticed that there were some people that I agreed. went on social media. You, I don't know. I must have them muted because I didn't see a whole lot of <laughs> yeah. uh, support. I saw people going, what are you talking about? You wouldn't be able to know if it's really your champion. All right. Right? I mean, congratulations, Ricky Stenhouse, on your championship. Wait, for is winning. he in the Final Four? Well, well, then he belongs there. All right. Well, all right. Well, I don't know, man. Just you, Somebody you could also have all four wreck. of them wiped out. Sorry, who get who gets it? Do you crown the champion that finished thirty second because they didn't finish thirty fifth, thirty seventh, thirty ninth? Now, in the old days, if you let them work in the garage to get that thing back out again, that would yeah. actually be cool. Now that would be cool. That would be cool. Yeah, a race championship against. race. So, let them work on it. You got like every team from an organization all working like the old days. Yeah, right? I love yeah. that. So we won't. We, we're totally all against having a race at Daytona as a final race of the year. It's good enough for the first race of the year in our Super Bowl that we love to call it that. But why don't we think about <laughs> why we don't want a race there? What's wrong with the racing there that, that that we're not begging for it to be the final race of the year? The biggest. This is the best facility on the schedule. Mm-hmm. That it is our. It is a. It is something that we should be extremely proud of, always wanting to showcase, and we don't want it to be our final race of the year. So it ain't the racetrack. It ain't, it ain't Daytona. It's, the, it's, it's a whole nother – if you could fix the racing to where you wouldn't be worried about the four guys finishing 35th, 36th, 37th, and 38th from a crash, uh, and you felt like they were in control of their own destiny – which at some points in Daytona in its history, they, drivers have been in control of their own destiny. We've seen, based off the qualifying, what happens when drivers try to control their own destiny. and They kind of just screw it all up. No, I'm saying just you got to change the package to where they're not driving oh, all great. over top of each other. Well, let's change the package. But listen, <laughs> I, I'll just say this. I, let me attempt to answer your question, though. Yeah. You said, why wouldn't we want that? I think whether it's uh, uh, good or bad or what is the answer not because – it might not be a true representation of who actually deserved the championship. I mean, is that not the right answer, the answer to that? Isn't that what people would be afraid of? Yep. It's not the true representation of We need to fix racing who, at Daytona then, so it's a great representation. Fair, fair of, point. Maybe of, so. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you. But um, I think I, that, I, that would be the case in I, any restricted I think player. it's absurd that we're going to be willing to shift the championship race all around the schedule to different racetracks, except a few. They do that with the Super Bowl. I think it's absurd. I think it's absurd that... There's races that are off. There are racetracks and places that are off limits. Well, to, I guess to his point, though, if if you're saying about the Super Bowl analogy, they shift it around to some, but others, but they bring it to the best facilities. So okay. from a facility standpoint, he's he's got a big point. 
It's no, maybe I, the style well, of racing. No, no, what you what, said, what's which, wrong with that? Force the tracks to want to be the best to earn the Super well, Bowl. Well, Daytona is yeah. one of the best facilities. Capitalism. should get it. You know, it, the people that earn it, yeah, you bid on it. Daytona has earned it in that regard. True. I would like Daytona to be. I agree that the racing there right now would not be what I would want to decide the championship, but I would want to fix that. Okay. No, and I get it. Fair I, point. I would want to fix it to where the racing is what I would want to decide the championship at Daytona. And I think you can do that with parts and pieces and, and engineers. All right. Well, listen, I, liked, I, I, I didn't even anticipate asking you about that. I just remembered it when you brought that up. Yeah. Anyways, go ahead. What All else? Right. <laughs> what else? Well, we let's hear from our friends. Let's ask Steve Phelps. No, let's hear from our friends at ZipRecruiter. Hiring is a challenge, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses connect. Businesses connect to <laughs> qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. I feel like I got my own ZipRecruiter website. Yeah, you are. You, you are Mr. ZipRecruiter. Yeah. You don't just go to ZipRecruiter.com. You got to go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. to... To make all this work. If you're not going to go to that one, just don't even go. ZipRecruiter <laughs> sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. What's a job board? I don't know, but there's 100 of them. All right. <laughs> they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. Is that Uh-oh, that- I don't want them to have my job. <laughs> I, wait, wait, wait. Can we do somebody else's job? The job you're offering. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As applications roll in... ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. You ever thought about maybe putting your own resume just to see if you qualify as a top candidate in ZipRecruiter's yeah. uh, eyes? I don't know eyes. if I have a resume. <laughs> have you never have done you a ever resume? had a resume? <gasps> I don't know. I don't think so. Wait. All right. Well. All right. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. The one with... <laughs> what? That's Apple's uh, web address. It's the address. <laughs> The web address. This is the web address. <laughs> this is the web address I mentioned earlier. ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. D-A-L-E-J-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Mike, we got NASCAR President Steve Phelps on. You ready? I'm ready. All right, so we asked you, we told you you couldn't wear a suit. <laughs> I didn't. I don't think I've ever seen you not wear a suit. So. I didn't. Oh. Full, full disclosure, I, I I did change going up 77. See, he I said had this. A suit on. I'm not joking. When we were talking on the phone. I'd probably get arrested for Steve that. Steve said, he goes, <laughs> Steve said, I'll be coming to you from a meeting where I have to wear a suit, so I may have to change in the car. So you said you changed in the car. I did. Where? On, on the side of 77? No, I was moving. No, no, hold up. You weren't. Well, it's this doesn't sound little, safe. When the, when oh, yeah, the, when on 77. Yeah, so yeah, after 18 or whenever. Yeah, whenever a lot of traffic. Is. Yeah, so you it stopped. Change. So the, the pants were the tough thing. <laughs> the, uh, the shirt's easier. You right? can change clothes. You change clothes. For sure, on 77 traffic. <laughs> I, w- I was behind a, a uh, Charlotte police officer. I didn't know if that was a good thing or not. I'd have felt safer. Oh, listen, the headlines. Gun. The Gun. headlines. If we had the NASCAR president pulled over because he was changing clothes while driving. Yeah. You think I would have caught, you know, some, Something. some steam? You think, you think that people would have noticed? Yeah, I don't really need that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have felt safer having the cop there. Like, oh, I'm doing it. Anything happens. There's a cop right here. So, all right, President of NASCAR, you've been in the sport, though, a long time. What's your history? So I've been in the sport uh, about 14 years. Um, I started and uh, ran our New York office for about 
four months. What happens in the New York office? How many? You got an LA office? LA office, New, New York, York office, Daytona, Daytona, Charlotte, Concord, which is. What does the New York office do? They primarily do um, sponsors, um, but we have some of the sponsor group in, in Charlotte as well. So it's a pretty small office. Uh, I've got about, I don't know, 14, 15 people up there. Yeah. So, and then I moved to Daytona and um, they promoted me after three or four months. That was their first mistake. And then, um, and I was down there for a bit, and then, I don't know, about three and a half, four years ago, they moved me up to Charlotte, and then, um, and then they moved me, moved me back down to Daytona last April. So what have, what, have you, what have you most enjoyed about the work you've done for NASCAR over those years? You know what, I, listen, I, and I know it sounds, uh, what else am I going to say, right? But I love the sport. I've been a fan of the sport since I was five years old. Mm-hmm. So I went to my first race at five, um, short track up in Vermont. Um, it was um, with my dad, and it was uh, it was very cool. So, for me, I was always known. I worked at the NFL for thirteen, fourteen years, and I was always known. What as, did you do the NFL? I ran their sponsorship group. Nice. So, uh, but I was always the the NASCAR guy. So uh, I remember one time Paul Tagliabue, who was the commissioner of the NFL at the time, brings me to his office and said, "Hey, I hear you're the NASCAR guy. I'm going to meet with you know Bill Jr. and uh, I need to know as much about NASCAR as I can." So I sat down with him for almost an hour and, and um, you know, gave him a kind of NASCAR 101. Uh, so, listen, I've done a lot of really cool things since I've been at NASCAR. Um, I love to go to the races, obviously, and that's a pretty cool thing. So in my new, in my new gig, I get to go to pretty much every race, which is, uh, which is a lot of fun. But, you know what, I think, you know, just trying to kind of spread the, the word about the sport and, and how great it is, and that, that's kind of how I look at it is we, we need to do a better job of making sure our existing fans understand that we care about them and listen are listening to them. And then it's, well, we need to bring other people in the sport and show them how great the sport is too. And, and I think NASCAR fans do as good a job as any, probably better, you know, kind of opening up themselves and, and teaching people about the sport and because they want to share it too because they want to how great it is. Yeah. So when I went, I went on social media and asked a lot of people about what they wanted me to ask you. Oh, I saw that last night. Yeah, yeah I got I had 800, 800 notifications. I'm sorry about good. that. And there, <laughs> and, and there are some. I saw one guy said, hey, "Don't give him any softballs." Right. Yeah. Oh so, yeah. Right. Well, the the you would get a lot of them mentioned specific changes, <laughs> uh, different size tires, wheels, sure, no side sure. skirts, no splitters, uh, different downforce, horsepowers, and so on and so on. <laughs> sure. But your and I need you to tell me you're not that guy. That's you're the president of NASCAR. The sure. president of NASCAR isn't dealing in downforce numbers. He's got people, right? Yeah. You're <laughs> try, and I don't. I want to set that up at the start of the interview because sure. I don't want people to de- think that we're going to be dive into competition here because that's not your focus. area of expertise, right? And so yeah, you no, have, I'm, an, I'm not an engineer for sure. Yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't even pretend to be one, which is good. And so. Who 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 are those guys? Yeah, so it really is uh, out of Steve O'Donnell's group, right? And he's got some really talented people that work for him. Um, I know enough to be dangerous. I know the <laughs> direction that w- we want to go in, right? Um, but I don't I don't even pretend to do that. So it's really, you know, Steve and and Scott Miller, John Probst, and those folks yeah. dealing with our our OEM partners, so our auto manufacturers and their representatives. You know, one from Chevy, Ford, and Toyota that kind of make up a, a broader group um, that helps determine the direction we're going. Uh, and then obviously working with the teams and their engineers and where they want to go. And it really is, 
I think some people have this idea that, hey, NASCAR, just make the rules right. and just be done with it. Mm-hmm. And you know, you're listening too much to what other people have to say, and you know, you listen to too much of what drivers have to say, and then you don't listen enough to what drivers have to say. And it's just uh, what we are trying to do is trying to figure out, hey, how can we make this sport better? At the core of what we do, it's about it's about competition. It's about the racing itself. So we want to make sure that racing's as good as it can be. Um, and I know it looks like we're chasing it a bit, um, and sometimes we are. You know, low downforce, lower downforce, the lowest downforce ever. And then, you know, kind of a complete switch, right, with less, hor- less horsepower, you know, more, um, you know, uh, more, more grip, um, you know, more downforce. And I think, um, you know, listen, I get, I get paid to be, you know, kind of an evangelist for the sport, and I try to make it true. And, and so, it, but the, the test really is what do, what do fans want to see, right? And, and what have they seen so far? Right. Um, Oh, and so you so you take you take Texas yesterday, and we had um, three times as many passes for the lead, green flag. You had twice as many passes throughout the field. So we had thirty four hundred uh, passes last spring. We had seventeen hundred roughly. Is that good? Um, well, I think directionally it's good. So the question is, is is that what people wanted to see? Um, you know, I, I think that. You know, close competitive side by side racing. We saw a bunch of that yesterday, um, and passes for lead and passes throughout. I mean, you take a look at Martinsville, right? We didn't have a lot of passes for lead, but yeah. we had a ton of passing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how many? You know, Boyer back. You know, from the back to the front, back to the front, and a bunch of guys were doing the same thing, which I think is, is pretty cool. But you know, a lot of times, I'm not trying to be critical of television. They they show up front. Right. Yeah. And what's happening up front. And if you're a Keselowski fan, it was an awesome race because he was up front for almost 450 of the 500 laps. Um, with that said, I think there were some really I was, you know, I was at that race. I watched in the booth, watched in, you know, uh, different places around the racetrack. And I thought there was some really cool racing that went on there. Um, maybe not exact. Didn't look like the fall. Right. We didn't have, you know, carnage that, you know, people's emotions get on, you know, pretty upset about what's going on but that's what short track racing is yeah and so you said you know you we understand that steve o'donnell's over competition and he's the guy that's that's you know in charge of the nuts and bolts but are you're in those meetings you're in those discussions sure how much influence do you have over procedural stuff such as right now the big complaint is qualifying and what's going on with that um as the president of the sport how do you influence O'Donnell? How do you sure. influence procedural changes? Yeah, you know what? I, you want to make sure, I, I would say procedural things are probably, because they're, they're not really engineer-type things. I can look at it as a fan and say, hey, what we saw this past weekend in Texas on Friday, is that something we want? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple other places, obviously, before that, too. So, you know, Steve and his crew, Steve and I, um, Email, text, talk multiple times every day, um, and I wasn't on the at the racetrack uh, this past weekend. So he was texting me Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We we're talking. There, there's a lot going on there. So, do I think we'll make some changes moving forward to that? We're going to have to. Um, that was unacceptable if I'm a race fan, um, and un- unacceptable if, if I was at the racetrack. So, do I have some influence there? Yeah, I have some influence there, but. I want to make sure that the guys that are responsible for that particular area are doing that. So not dissimilar to what I would do, you know, for, 
you know, Jill Gregory on the marketing side or Daryl Wolf on, you know, kind of the sponsor side and the business development side. You want your people to do their jobs and they're talented people and they can do that. Um, to the degree I can help them, I, I want to do that. Yeah. What is the standard you use? I mean, you just said that you sort of watch it, try to look at it through the lens of a race sure. fan. Is that, is that what, when you're watching a race or a qualifying event or whatever it is, what are you looking at? Well, what are you watching? I think, I think the hard thing with that question is that, yeah, I've got my own standard, but it's way different than you ask a hundred race fans, That's you're going right. to, you're going to get a hundred different answers. That's right. Some that'll be, you know, kind of directionally the same. If, um, you know, if we make a rules change and you get, you know, or a format change or something and you get 80% of the fans to say, Hey, I like that. Well, you know, that's something that's good to try to get eight out of every race, eight out of every 10 race fans to say, Hey, that, that works for me. Um, I know that's a lot of race fans who are unhappy with you too. Um, but that's, you know, and I've said it before, we can't make everyone happy, but if we are making the majority of race fans happy, um, then that's what, you know, that's what we're going to try to do. And I do find it interesting, like, um, on Twitter yesterday, I was just kind of looking through some of the questions that, that, you know, was those non softballs I was going to get. Yeah. And, and you have race fans that, that disagree with each other all the time on Twitter and everywhere else, frankly. Yeah. Um, and they kind of look at it through their own lens, right? So if there's something that their driver likes, a lot of times they're going to like that too. Um, if there's something their driver doesn't like, then, they may not like that too. It just depends on where it is. So, will I look at it as a race fan? I do, and I know what I like. Um, and you know what we saw on Friday is not not something I liked. One of the um, uh, earlier this morning on Sirius XM Radio, Steve O'Donnell mentioned that single car qualifying was being looked at as a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed in comments from Steve Miller, uh, from Miller and a couple of guys as this process has un- unraveled over the last couple of weeks that. Single car qualifying was the last resort, if if at all ever thought about. But now it seems seems as though it is being considered. Um, it won't, you know. Steve says uh, O'Donnell says it won't be popular with some owners. And why is that? I mean, is it is it a money situation? Is it that expensive for them to sh- to make that change? And I know that's you know you're not an owner, and and only the owner can speak to that. But sure. What, I'll give you a quote. One of my favorite Bill France quotes. When NASCAR was formed, all the car owners sat down in a room to make the rules. After many hours, they came out with no agreement, and I learned it had to be one man who told the people what the rules were going to be. If they didn't like it, they could go home. That, to me, is how the sport was ran, uh, even uh, in my father's last few years. Sure. You know, and that pr- approach, I felt, worked so well. Uh, a lot of respect to Bill France. Uh, Mike Hilton sort of had that same type of respect as well when he was uh, in the position. Sure. Why the shift to uh, include drivers, owners, uh, the you know these committees, sure. uh, the collaboration, councils, councils yeah. uh, fan councils. Uh, A lot of councils. There are so many councils. <laughs> yeah. And has do you feel like that that has paid off, or are y'all reining back on that a little bit to get more control over it? And, and be able to make these decisions on y'all's on y'all's terms how sure. y'all want to, how, how y'all want the direction of the sport to go yeah I, that's a good question so I think that getting back to the first question about ownership we need to make sure you can you know, when I first uh, interviewed the sport I interviewed with with Mike Helton and one of the questions he had or, or it wasn't a question <laughs> it was a statement you know there are kind of three legs to this stool right you've got the sanctioning body you've got race teams and you have racetracks 
we need for, for to have healthy race teams as part of that that stool. And I think it, the difficulty is that you know race teams chase speed all the time, right? And it's kind of a cycle where you have if you have speed, you can win, and if you win, you can have sponsors, and it just kind of starts again, right? And so if you can't if you can't have speed, you know, quote Kevin Harvick, you can't make a, a a slow car go fast. You have to have speed. The only way in this environment right now is to make sure you're spending. And so teams will spend as much as they can in an effort to, you know, to be successful on the racetrack, which I understand completely. So if we're going to make a rules change, and we believe the rules change is in the best interest of the sport, we want to do that through the lens of not just layering on costs uh, you know, to, our, to our owners, because that's just that's not what we want to do. We have told them we want to partner with them to get them in a better, healthier position. If I'm a race fan, I just want my team to win. Right. I just want my driver to win. Um, and we get that. And, but we have to try to help the owners be healthier because if this sport's going to you know, continue to grow or to grow, you have to make sure you have healthy teams. And, and I think that these councils, it, it's, an, it's an effort for us to listen to what each of these groups is thinking about. So how, how, if I ran the sport, what would I do? You know, what I kind of think of it as when I woke up this morning, I wanted this sport to grow. When, you know, a team owner woke up this morning, he wants his, he wants his, the sport to grow as well until such time as that it's not advantageous to him, right? If it's going to put him at a competitive disadvantage, he doesn't want to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. So, and racetrack's kind of the same thing. It's like, well, you know what? That date would be a whole lot better for me to run that race. And because I think I can sell more tickets. Well, what about, you know, the difference between running on a Saturday night and running on a Sunday? You know, the folks at NBC and the folks at Fox would say, hey, we're going to get a 30% ratings increase if we go from a Saturday night to a Sunday because there are more people that are watching television on Sunday afternoons. So we try to put it all in kind of a blender and figure out what that, what that can look like. And not a, it's not going to be popular every single time, either with race fans with owners, with tracks, with our broadcast partners, but to to the degree that we can do that, we want to do it. Serving so, a the, lot of masters, they are the most the most important one. And I'm not. I promise, I'm not catering, you know, to the fans on this one. The most important one is the fan. Yeah. What does the fan want to see? What's the product they want to see? Where do they want? You know, what kind of racing do they want to see? So, some of the questions last night is, hey, uh, remind Steve that you know. I think Weaver said, hey, remind Steve that a, a short track is. 0.75 miles and below. I, I, I am aware of that. <laughs> so, but I think there's, um, you know, fans have said that they want to see more short tracks and more and more road courses. Yeah. And, and I get that. And fewer intermediate tracks. Mm -hmm. We totally understand that. We tried to mix up the schedule as much as we could with, with the, the limitations that we had. Right. Because we have five-year agreements. This is the 2020 is the fifth year of the agreement. So we took, you had to go to all the same racetracks but the way we kind of configured them kind of put some emphasis on short tracks and, or emphasis on road courses or the Roval in that mm -hmm. case. I think the switch from, uh, from Indy, uh, the you know, Indy Daytona switch, you know, is to provide more drama. And, and I know that we've been accused of manufacturing drama. I'm okay as long as there's drama. You know, if I'm a, if I'm a race team or I'm a, a driver – the likelihood of me winning Indy if I was, I'm already outside of the playoffs is pretty slim. 
the likelihood of me winning at Daytona mm-hmm. at the final regular season event, well, at least I got, I got something there, yeah. right? You, you bring up the schedule. Um, a lot of folks are mentioning when the schedule came out, Ben Kennedy's name. Yep. Uh, and Ben used to race uh, Ben Kennedy's in the France family, um, son of Lisa. And he has uh, been a driver for a while, but now has stepped out and stepped into a role of exe- as an executive in the sport. Is he being sort of groomed to eventually, uh, you know, be the the face of the France family for this uh, for NASCAR? I would say, unless I've never had this conversation with Ben, so I'm, I'm put myself out there. Ben has done a tremendous job in the short time he's been here. So he was kind of the general manager of the of the trucks. Um, this year we kind of switched, so he, you know, is you know working on the kind of competition side of where things are. So uh, he worked with Steve O'Donnell extensively on the schedule. So they were really the force of the schedule, and then you know they kind of check in, hey, how's it going? You know, do we need you know do you need my help? Whatever it is, and and they did a great job, I think. You know, getting tracks aligned on the importance of of making the changes that we made. So to answer your question, yeah, I think that Ben is. And to if that's what Ben wants to do is to, you know, run his family's business, you know, I I think that's fantastic. You know, he's uh he's smart, um, he's passionate about the sport. You know, he did drive in, in uh and was a winner in the trucks and in Xfinity. I would think it would be a great natural step um to have him in there. How soon he comes in and runs the place, sure. um that really you know, is, is between, you know, Jim and Lisa, his mom, and Ben. Um, but I think uh, I wouldn't bet against it. Yeah. yeah. I like the guy. I think that he's got a great future. And I feel like everybody feels better when there is a France behind, you know, pulling some of the strings and kind of looking over yep. this whole thing that they've created. Yeah, um, going back to the schedule, uh, you mentioned that a lot of these tracks, we, we couldn't take away tracks or add new tracks to the 2020 schedule because of these agreements that are with the tracks that do run out at the end of 2020. New agreements will be written. Um, will, will we see a racetrack on the schedule that is not on the schedule today? Uh, we, won't, we won't assume or guess what racetrack that is, but will we see a new track on the schedule in 2021? Well, I think that I, I don't know the answer to that. What, and I, I've said publicly a number of times you know we have to the changes in 2020 I think people were probably surprised to the degree that we were that we changed things and mixed them up even though they're the same track so it sounds like a foolish thing but um pretty cool having Bristol in the you know in the playoffs as a cutoff race that that that's pretty cool yeah you guys uh, made Bristol, Martinsville, and a road course, the yeah. cutoff track. So it's That's obvious right. that you guys are starting to favor the short tracks and the road courses as great racetracks to go to. <laughs> and so I'm wondering There's if in 2021 that we might see some new tracks come in, preferably short tracks, road courses. I, I would, you know, it's it's absolutely on the table. I promise I'm not trying to be evasive, the, but we don't, we don't we don't know. Are the track truthfully? Are, are y'all going to look at these agreements differently? Uh, where you guys sort of aren't boxed into a situation like you've been in the past where you can't be more flexible with the schedule? Um, that is, that's the plan. So, you know, we, we think that, you know, having, having racetracks kind of being it together with us and making changes so, and having a certain standard for what it looks like to run a racetrack uh, or to run a race at the highest level of NASCAR, I think that's important. And so could we see 
different tracks? I, yeah, we absolutely could. Um, what they are, where they are. I mean, there are a ton of, there's a ton of speculation about what would be a good racetrack for us to go to. If, you know, you know, we've heard, Hey, don't run two races at, you know, the mile and a half saw that on Twitter last night. Yeah, uh, I agree with that one. And so I'm not suggesting we're not going <laughs> to do that. They don't want Twitter. Pretty I did, <laughs> that wasn't I my burner saying, account. So, <laughs> <laughs> I just, what I, I just think that, you know, listen, we have to do some things differently. Fans, fans want us to do things differently. And I think we need to do it as quickly as we can, um, you know, with, within reason, understanding there are, Again, three legs of that stool, and one yeah. of those legs is are, are the tracks. You said that a lot in in recent interviews when you were appointed as a president that you you want to do things differently. NASCAR needs to do things differently. Our focus uh, may have been misguided, or we've made yeah. some mistakes. Even what in a, in a, that's general. So what 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 are you talking about there? What what are we going to do differently, or what are we going back to? Sure. Well, I think that there was a. You know, this was in an interview I did around Daytona, and they said, hey, hey, we've made some mistakes. And I, I listen, we're not the only business that's made a mistake, sure. for sure. And I think that we what, what probably, are, I, think we cha- I think we chased a new fan at the expense of an existing fan. Mm. We'll never do that again. Mm. So it doesn't mean that we can't have new fans in the sport. Of course we can. But we want our new fans and our existing fans and our, you know, avid, long-time, loyal fans, you know, we want them to kind of nurture and grow these young fans or these new fans, young or old, I don't care where they are, as long as there are more people that are coming to the sport. We have a great sport. We want to share it. So, you know, other things that, you know, we can change, again, I think it goes back, first and foremost, it goes back to, you know, the racing. So where are we racing? What's the racing look like? Is the car going to look more, you know, more, quote, stock? Um, I think our, our auto manufacturers, our OEMs, would like to see body styles that are more reflective of what happens, you know, in a showroom. Um, I think they would want to see some different types of engine packages that we could put together that would be more relevant to what would be good for them. And as part of that, I think we could hopefully take the three existing OEMs we have and add a couple more. Um, and I think the winner, frankly, is the race fan. And I believe that because, you know, it just more and more excitement, more and more rivalries, uh, you know, would be great, for example, to have Dodge back in the sport. Um, and we've, you know, we've had discussions with Dodge and we'd love to see him come back. So come on back. Yeah. I've, I, in some of those social media posts last night, it was strictly just Dodge. In response <laughs> to my question of what we should ask. As we'll felt. So we know what they mean by that. There's a lot of you know, Dodge fans out there that would love to see them back in the sport. Are you I, on social media a lot? You just being talking about seeing all these responses. I think you saw I'm more a, than we even did. I'm, so a, like, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a watcher. I, I'm horrible. I feel bad because I don't post. I think the last thing <laughs> the last thing I posted was um, something around Daytona. I'm horrible. Yeah. Uh, hey, I, actually, that is not horrible. I don't think anybody wants you posting on there. Right. Well, that's a good thing. I'm, yeah. I'm glad I'm satisfying. Nobody that. expects that out of our president <laughs> posting on social media. <laughs> Get myself in but, trouble. But, but, but you are you are watching. You're watching. Oh, absolutely. You're, you're, you are active from a, a observation I, standpoint. Yeah, I think. Listen, I, um, you know, Daryl, you brought you brought up the uh, fan council. Now that's a council that makes a ton of sense to me, mm-hmm. right? Because we have twenty five thousand people who are part of this fan council. They are our most avid fans or a representation of our most avid fans 
and we talk to them on an every week basis. What did you like about the racing? What didn't you like about the racing? What would you like to see different? And it really helps us kind of gauge where they are. It's not the only thing we use, but it's an important tool that we use to, to listen. And I think, you know, as I talked about, I think we got away from listening to them. Um, we've had a fan, fan council now for, I don't know, probably nine or ten years. It has grown, and it's still one of the most important things that we do. There are some questions on there. We'll ask them open-ended questions. What would you like to see different? And the number one answer about what they like to see different at a racetrack is no rain. So I... <laughs> fix that one. That one's a tough one to fix. Mm-hmm. Although so far this year, we're seven for seven. I just, I just jinxed, I just yeah. jinxed where we are for this weekend, but... Bristol. I think it's a yeah. So I'm I'm sorry, Jerry. That's a that's a bad deal. It's my bad. But I think um, but listening to them is important. I'm just kidding. L- listening to them is incredibly important to us because they have their finger on the pulse. And if we can kind of figure out where the mass of fans want to go um, to create the best racing we can or things that they think are interesting. So when I when I came into the sport. The two racetracks that rated the bottom every single time were Sonoma and Watkins Glen, last. Yeah. And now they're you know Popular. top. Now they're top mm-hmm. five. Um, Martinsville, right? From a sponsor standpoint, no sponsor wanted Martinsville, right? They just didn't. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. now you know what? Martinsville is you know it's awesome. It's a short track. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I guess that's a great that's a great thing to bring up. Uh, you know. As much as we want short tracks and road courses, we can't repeat history and just pour. I, I agree. Road courses and short tracks all over the pancakes. So you know, we just we have to bring in a few. Uh, you know, we got we, we we did that with the mile and a halfs, and yeah. and now we're in this situation we're in where we want to probably bring bring in some more short tracks or road courses, but be be smart about those choices. I agree with that. So you take a look at uh, the Roval, right? you know, uh, ratings were up, attendance was up. And so the first immediate reaction is, oh, well, we've got other (laughs) roval opportunities at other mile and a half tracks. I don't think that is the answer. It doesn't mean that we won't do that in the future at a, you know, a small Mm -hmm. number. Um, You know, could we support another, quote, roval? We could, but it's kind of like Eldora, right? So there's something special about Eldora. It doesn't mean that you're going to run, you know, eight, you know, dirt races for trucks and, you know, four for Xfinity and two for Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a specialness that exists. And I think that's what we have to try to get at is opportunities to go places that are different and unique from each other. And I think that, you know, Dale, you, you can talk to this certainly more than I can is you can go to a mile and a half track that looks that's exactly the same layout as another mile and a half track, but the surface is different, yeah. the weather's different, and you're going to get different results. With that said, this kind of lumping in of intermediate tracks, we just have too many. Okay. Um, so is there an opportunity to potentially go elsewhere and shorten the number of, of intermediate tracks? Yeah, that's something we can look at, and we're going to. Yeah. Um, has NASCAR had any involvement in – so y'all took the banquet or are taking the banquet from uh, Vegas, Vegas to Nashville, which yeah. I, I think is an, a great idea. Um, Nashville is a great town. I think that, that we'll have a lot of success there. It, does it make sense for us to be racing in that town if we're going to be celebrating our champion there? And has NASCAR – I know that Marcus Smith 
has had some involvement of trying to talk to the track and, and figure out how to navigate the sport into into the fairgrounds. Has NASCAR had any involvement in that? Is What's NASCAR opinion on that? Um, would you guys love to go back to Nashville? Well, listen, Nashville is a, a great town for us, right? So, you know, we have two different tracks, the fairgrounds and, and, and the one outside of town. It, it, it is a – would we like to run in Nashville again? We would. I think it's a great, it's a great, great town for us. Having our banquet there, I think, is a, is a good place to go. I think there was a time, there was a, a, a kind of a thinking at NASCAR at the time that, hey, don't, don't embrace country music because, you know, kind of, that's kind of the core. That's our mm-hmm. roots. Uh, well, that's a mistake. We want to embrace country music. You know, not only is country music incredibly popular, but it's part of, of you know, kind of a, a natural tie for our sport. Yeah. So going to Nashville, I think, is a great idea. Um, you know, what's going to happen moving forward in 2021? Are we going to be racing in Nashville or not? I don't know. I know that, you know, I've at least have been told that Marcus has had discussions with the folks in Nashville how for the, at the fairgrounds. How likely is that going to happen? You know, right now he has no sanction agreement for 2021, so he can't bring anything there. And if he was going to, if he wants to bring something there, you know, obviously NASCAR has to have involvement. You know, they are, they are our dates. Why don't y'all get involved? So, and we will absolutely do that when it's time. When it's time. And don't mention to do track, the sanction Don't body. mention that other track out there. That's that's the the mile and a half. That is, that's, let's not talk about that track ever again. Don't um, get involved in that one. Yeah, that, don't, don't, that is not the that. right one to go to. Right. Um, I, this is something that I've always been curious about, especially now since I've got into broadcasting. We see other sports. Uh, form their own network uh, to have more control over content, place to showcase the content. The, has NASCAR, I'm sure NASCAR has considered the idea of, of forming their own network, and is that something we might see in the future? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I, you know, our the answer to that is I think there are different forms of it, right? So I think that you could see NASCAR do something that would be more – so take um, Fans' Choice, Yes. right? Fans' Choice is an opportunity for, you know, different – racing series to be part of, you know, kind of an aggregate place where essentially you just go, you give your email address and, and you can watch racing. Doesn't cost anything. Um, so is there an opportunity to create different racing products? Because I think it's not that fans don't care about what happens behind the scenes because obviously they're watching, you know, they're, they're watching this podcast, right? They're taking the time to watch it because they're interested in what you have to say uh, and what your guests have to say, um, with the exception of me. <laughs> I think the... You'll be surprised. Uh, yeah, I think they care. <laughs> <laughs> but you, but I think that a, having a dedicated network where we have, we just don't have as much content, live content to push as other sports. Right. As well as the fact that we have broadcast agreements or TV agreements or media agreements that restrict what we can do. Mm-hmm. So I think in the future you'll probably see more opportunities to take, you know, some of the lower series that we own or have affiliations with and put them on there where you're creating a, you know, a, your own, uh, motor network, uh, that's done digitally as opposed to, nice. you know, kind of, you know, on television. Incredible. I know. Yeah. I, I'll be honest. I am so, th- I'm thrilled. I'm so thankful that in this day and age, I can get on fans choice mm-hmm. or these other locations to be able to watch, racing all across the country something i never even thought would be possible or would happen four or five years ago Uh, i can basically hop on social media and say what's on what's 
well, who's racing and how can I watch it? And I'm going to have my choice of many different races to watch that are happening at your local short track or whatever might be going on in the NASCAR sanctioning world. Um, so I'm grateful and I'd love to see NASCAR get more and more involved in, in helping promote that. Although obviously uh, it's, a, it's a growing business opportunity and uh, Matthew's brother, Bob, uh, is heavily involved in Speed 51, which is a great place to go watch some racing. Yeah. Uh, predict what year you'll see a new manufacturer coming into the sport. <laughs> um, well, we're starting to run out of time for 2021. Really? Um, that would be ideal, but there's a lot of work to do. So, Is your Gen 7 car on schedule? As of right now, our Gen 7 car is on schedule. I think the, we have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of work to do with our, with our OEM partners, and we have a lot of work to do ourselves and a lot of work to do with the race teams. But I think that a 2021 Gen 7 car, you know, body-style chassis, as well as a 2022 potential revamped engine is a distinct possibility. Mm-hmm. That's what we're working hard to get, um, and we've got folks that are working on that every day as hard as we can in order to – because I think it would just be better, frankly. You know, you're not – you know, it seems a bit, you know, you're going to take an engine and put a restrictor plate on, a, a tapered spacer on it to essentially create, you know, quote, better racing, right? And I think that would it make more sense to just build the engine to whatever that specification is motor, going to be? Yeah. Right. Then I would th- say the answer to that is yes. I love it. And then you're going to, and then the opportunity to make the car look cooler and you know, more the designs that we see, more recognizable. Mm-hmm. I think it looks, I mean, it's, it, early designs look really cool. Good. Um, and then, and then on the engine side, you know, we, we have late fifties engine, you know, technology that we're using, you know, and it's been fine tuned and fine tuned. I mean, it's incredibly the manufacturing that's done, but I think there's an opportunity to, to have something that's going to make long-term success or give us long-term success. Well, he's talking right to your heart, right? Yeah. Now, it's all the great car. things I <laughs> want to hear. I, 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 you were mentioning, uh, when we were talking about, um, Ben Kennedy earlier, you mentioned Jim France's name. Sure. We know that, uh, with Brian France and his, and his, uh, troubles last year, Jim has stepped in. Uh, I think he's done an incredible role of, uh, in a difficult situation, um, being the face of the France family, taking ownership of the sport. Um, I imagine uh, you highly approve of his increased involvement and, and visibility. Um, what does what is Jim doing? What when Jim is is Jim with you in contact with you consistently? Is he in the room with you? Is he helping you understand what he would love to see in every direction you turn? Um, and and because Jim was over the IMSA deal yep. and you know, and, and NASCAR's involvement there. And, and how much of a turn has he made to be helping you and, sure. and over NASCAR as a whole? Well, I think I start with your first statement. I think he's doing an incredible job as well. Uh, he is a, you know, when you have the founder's son, mm-hmm. the founder of NASCAR's son running NASCAR, that's pretty cool. Um, he is a really, really good guy who loves racing. Loves racing of yes. all kinds. You know, he's been a racer himself. Motorcycles, cars, you know, if it's got wheels, he's been on it. Um, and he's a, a thoughtful, smart, caring guy who loves this sport. Um, so how involved is He's involved every day. You know, he is not a – he may be, you know, kind of not out in front in your face on the microphone, you know, granting 50 interviews. 
not kind of his style, but he knows exactly what's going on. And it has his, you know, kind of guiding hand on it. So you talked about Gen 7. Jim France knows all about Gen 7 really? and how to get there. And, and it's, a, it's important to him. But Jim France also knows about, hey, we need to do more, you know, we need to grow our database and understand who our fans are. Jim France, you know, Jim France is involved with uh, you know, something we call Project Horsepower to try to increase ratings and attendance. And that has been at the heart of our marketing efforts that Jill and her team are doing. Jim France asking all the time, hey, what's Jill doing? How are they doing? How do we do on the ratings? You know, we were, you know, we're up for the year. We were up 36% yesterday. Now that's a, we were on Big Fox instead of FS1, but sure. even so, our numbers and our share numbers continue to increase. Those are, those are exciting things. Every single Monday, I send a note to Jim and Lisa, hey, here's where we are. And it has been a, you know, that portion certainly has been a success story. Um, you know, and he wants to know, you know, how's the, how's the racing going? He's at every single, he's been at every single event, but one, uh, and that was some circumstances that he and I needed to, to, um, you know, be in Daytona. And so we couldn't be at, uh, auto club, but it's been, uh, it's fantastic. And, and to me, I see it with all the different folks in this sport, starting with the people who work in NASCAR. So if you work at NASCAR and you see Jim France, and you know what? He may not know 800 names, but he's going to shake a hand and say thank you. And he's going to be involved and say, hey, what do you do? And you know, what can I do to help you? That's yeah. who Jim France uh, is. We, listen, we saw it firsthand. It was towards the end of last year. You know, it was a Friday here. The team was gone. And we're walking through the shop, and I look over, and there's a man in a plaid shirt <laughs> and then a big man with a mustache next to him. And, it, you know, the, the, even the lights were dimmed. He couldn't see right away who it was, and then he could get a little closer. It was Jim and Mike Helton, and they were in our shop, unannounced, yeah. I think. Uh, I, because, <laughs> I, because I called Dale and I called Kelly. I was like, did y'all know Jim France and, and Mike Helton are here? And they're like, no. So what was that? Because I, I'm, I'm curious about the visibility factor of sure. this and, and why that's so important. It made an impression on us that day. You know, I think if you look at, we talked about councils, Jim France, from the time he became, uh, you know, stepped in to become chairman and CEO of NASCAR, he's been at every driver council, every uh, OEM council. If there's a council, he's he's been there. Um, he went to every race last year. He's only missed one race, and that was for circumstances that I talked about just a little yeah. bit ago. Every race. And he loves racing. And, I, you know, I think he's, a, as I said, he's a – a steady guiding force to where NASCAR is going. Yeah. And he's not passive. Um, I can assure you that. And he's, he is a detailed guy. So you better bring, you better have done your homework because he's going to ask you every question in the book about why and how we get better. And he'll celebrate the wins with us and he'll, you know, he'll give a, Hey, we need to do better on that. Uh, if we're not, we're not doing it the right way. I got a question for you, Steve. You, you, a lot of the things you talked about using fan councils, and, and, and we're really trying to get back in touch with the old fans. But my question is about new fans. And what is it they want? Because I have a theory that a lot of the things that we talk about may not actually be even, even remotely relatable to what might be a new fan. And sure. you might know more about new fans than I do. What is the sales pitch today? Is it what we're trying to get done You know, in, by 2020 or 2021? Like if, if right now there's somebody listening to this podcast and they're – they're taking in NASCAR, but they haven't made their decision yet. Why should they stay? Well, listen, I, to me, it's because, <laughs> A, we've got phenomenal racing. And 
I think we've got tremendous stories and storylines out there. And I think you've got this mix of veteran drivers and young drivers who are colliding all the time on the racetrack. To me, that's what it's about. So if that's not your thing, right, if, if these drivers – so if you have a young fan, most likely they're going to resonate with a younger driver, someone like them, you know, a Chase Elliott or a Ryan Blaney or, you know, any number of these, you know, these, guys, these young guys out there, Bubba or, um, you know, or Suarez or whomever. And I think that each one of them has a story, and, and we have to try to help develop those stories and help them develop those stories. You know, the sport's always been about the characters, right, have always been about the drivers and, and why people should care, you know, as they strap into those race cars and do something that the rest of us can't do because we can't. Um, it, it's, not, it's not possible. So we've got the most talented race car drivers in the world that are, you know, I was you know, watching um, some of the uh, F1 race yesterday with my son. He said, you know what, Dad, they go fast, and they're incredible, you know, incredible technology and not, you know, for the timid, for sure. But it's just, it's not like driving NASCAR. You, you have to, that you know, ragged edge that you need to do to be fast. It's just um, our drivers are unlike any drivers in the, in the world. They just are. And, you know, the courage and the, you know, all of it that makes them them, that's why someone should watch. And I think, you know, if it's a... If we can get someone to come to the racetrack and truly experience what the what it is to go to a, to a to a race, not just the racing itself, but the broader experience that exists, the camping and you know the you know kind of the community and family and all the rest of it, people just having a great time. That's what it means to me to be you know to be about NASCAR, and that's what that's what NASCAR means to to so many people. So young fans, new fans. Um, they're all welcome. We ought to be smart about what we're going to do. So, you know, you know, the question yesterday, you asked most, you know, avid race fans, Hey, is, is, was yesterday's race the right length? And you're going to have some of them now say, you know what? I don't think we should have 500 mile races except for the Daytona 500 and the Coca-Cola 600. All the other races should be 400 or, or miles or laps or below. Um, and I think, you know, that's a, that's a hard one, right? Cause you're trying to, you're trying to serve a lot of masters on that deal. Moreover, does it get a little agitating when people take such a fine tooth comb to a particular race or a particular, maybe even a segment and was this racing good? And then they start piling on as the president, does that not get a little annoying that, that like, cause you're taking such a long-term vision to, I mean, this is a long-term fix, sure. it's a long-term strategy. And yet everybody has such loud seemingly loud opinions about a you know a 20 lap segment of something and then just tear it apart or 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 whatever they're going to do does that get annoying i think i wouldn't say it's annoying because listen our fans you know they have opinions and and they are in many cases are not afraid to voice those opinions and that's okay they're fans just like fans of other sports they're going to voice their opinion we have to take a long view so looking at one segment or frankly even one race is not is not how we should look at it. So if you, we would look, you know, with this kind of new rules package, we would look at the breadth of what we've seen so far. And in some cases, we've seen things that were better than we thought, and in some cases there are things that are not as good as we thought they'd be or at racetracks. Um and so 
that's where we have to try to fine tune. And again, if we're if we're do this the right way, again, the winter's going to be the. Well, fan. What about when the drivers tear it apart? <laughs> I mean, not the fans, the drivers. I mean, like. So I'll give you an example, right? So Clint Boyer was understandably upset after qualifying again. So <laughs> two weeks in a row. You know, right. to, so you know, I get it. You, you come, you get out of a race car. And I don't know that because I've, I've never, I've never driven a race car, right? I've never been in his situation, so I won't presume to do that. But what I see is you get out of a race car, you're upset, you're emotional, and someone sticks a microphone in your face, and you're like, well, "What do you think of that?" Well, it sucked. I, I hated it. And you know, NASCAR better do something about it. And so, what we've tried to do is we have tried to limit those opportunities or places where where drivers are going to use the media to get across the point they want. That's why we developed the, fan, uh, the driver council. And so the driver council right now is in a little bit of a state of flux, but we're going to oh, have, really? we're going to have, well, in a good way, I think. So we're going to have some driver, what we heard about the driver council and, and Dale was on the driver council, you're talking to 10 guys, right? And so, and most of the time, the way that was made up, you had veteran drivers, and then you had re- young drivers because we want to have some representation across the different OEMs, f- future Hall of Famers, plus these young kids who are, who are j- coming in the sport. The problem is, is that then you had 30 drivers that were not represented. And, right. and, and the difficulty is it's not that we, you got information. It wasn't flawed information you got from the 10. The, th- the other 30 didn't know what we were talking about, and f- so they fell out of the loop. And so then they're out trying to – figure out what's going on the lobby and so what we're doing now we started this last fall is we're going to meet with all the drivers and you do it in smaller groups so we'll do it in groups of three or four around richmond um three or four groups around richmond where you're going to lump your champions and you know kind of veteran drivers together so they can you know talk and listen to what where we're going and we can listen to where they want to be and then we'll separate into you know two or three other groups of you know various teams so teams will stay together for the most part and we think that's a better way to do it so that's why i said hey driver council's in kind of a state of flux it's just changing so i would call it a new driver council just not with the formality of what we had previously that's a tricky one for me the the drivers because they're your mouthpieces right like a boyer but they also also they have a lot of different opinions they do i mean a lot of different opinions and i would i would venture to say that they're not always thinking entertainment, fan entertainment, because they're drivers. Why would you? You want to make your car go faster. I agree. And so that's a tricky one if I'm you, because like you want to you want to take the drivers, you want to take Dale Jr. in his opinion, but you also have a show to do. Sure. And and so it gets a little tricky. So I, you know, it's interesting because you're exactly right. I think Brad in an interview after I think he was with Claire or someone after the the Martinsville race where he, he led you know 445 laps. And he said, you have to understand, I don't care about the show. I care about winning. <laughs> right. I don't care if I, you know, if I could, I'd win by 10 laps. Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't care. Now, that's actually not true. Of course, he cares about the sport. He cares to well, put on a job. good show. It's job, right? yeah. But his job is to get in that race car. He was perfectly and happy. Go as fast. He was perfectly happy, yeah. right? And he wants to go as fast as he can. And do I want to leave four and four? I do, if I'm Brad Keselow. And, and every other driver. So you have to... You have to kind of, it's a, you know, they're an important voice. They're not the only voice. Right. And so, and that's what we try to do. And, and as much of, 
about listening to them as well as telling them where we're going to go. So they, they understand, oh, I get that. So we met with them before Daytona in a couple different groups and told them, hey, this is what we're, here's where we're going from a competition side. Here's where we're going from a, from a marketing side, just so you're informed. And, you know, if people are asking you questions, you at least know what it is that, you know, what they're talking about. Yeah. And you can inform your opinion about what it is in your own voice that you want to say. I appreciate those meetings where you get everybody together and tell them, hey, this is the plan. I think it's important for the drivers or the, the, the owners or the networks, everybody to be in the room at the same time to say, hey, this is why we made this decision. Yep. This is how this is why we had to to make a decision that we made. But at the same time, um, I was in the driver's council. I felt like when I was going into the driver's council that, man, this is a great opportunity for me and the guys, us to get together, have one voice. We want things like we have a few ideas on how to make things better, and this is going to give us a chance to really get implement implement those changes. It did that for a little bit, um, and, and it probably still does it to an extent today. But I felt like once I got out of the car and I got on, the, you know, I started seeing the sport from this new perspective. I felt like that there was too many meetings, there was too much collaboration. Right. That all we were doing was collaborating. Yeah. And. And that's why I bring up that quote from Bill France about, <laughs> you know, hell with it. I'm going to make the decision. I'm going to be the des- decision maker. And, and if you don't like it, then go, you know, go, go find else. something else to do. And uh, I, will, I long for, I guess, it to sure. revert back to that a little bit. Um, but I think also, um, talking, Mike talking about everybody picking, a, picking, picking things apart, picking every race apart, from what I'm hearing from you and from what I felt like I've known is – that this is we are in a big transition process in a phase where you know we've got new rules this year we've got a new schedule next year we've got new agreements coming from even more possible schedule changes down the road we've got a new car being developed a new entirely new approach to the engine being developed this is a NASCAR is going to go through some very very good phases and changes yep. over the next decade or in yep. um Positive stuff, stuff that I'm excited about. I was thrilled when they announced you as being put into the president role because I feel like that you get it. I feel like that you're a guy that can juggle all the meetings, all the collaboration. Can change in the car. And change, yeah, change out of the suit into, into some casual clothes driving down the road. But yeah. um, I'm excited uh, you know, about the future of the sport. I'm not going to love everything. I know sure. that. Nobody is. And you're going to hear it when he does it. <laughs> but I'm just saying, I know that I'm not going to love everything like everyone else. And sure. you, you know, that's just part of it. And I'm excited about what you guys are doing. I can't wait to get back to the track, get back to work, and see what's going on. Thank you for coming. Absolutely. I hope that you'll come back. Uh, as these I would changes love to. are you know, happening, uh, nobody else we'd love to talk to about it and see what else is coming down the pipe. And hopefully, uh, He's yeah. right. I, 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 you just said it. Is that we, we all do a lot of speculating. We'd rather just hear it from you. <laughs> yeah. And that's why we wanted to have you on. You well, know, I appreciate that. We talked about that. We're like, you know, hey, this schedule just came out. We want to, let's just have Steve on now if he can make it because I don't want to have to sit there and pick a part of schedule that I really don't know anything to have anything to do with how it, how it even came to, yeah. uh, came to be. Well, wow. I know you went way out of your way to be here. So, so I want to thank you. Well, it's my pleasure. It was truly, truly an honor to be here and, and, when I heard that that you guys wanted me on, I was I was thrilled. Yeah. And uh, you know the casual thing, I I, I actually I, people don't see me except in right. a suit. 
I'd rather be in shorts and a t-shirt. <laughs> Is that and, right? Uh, you abs- would? Absolutely. Is that what but, you, like when, when you go home at night and you're just going to go, uh, you know, uh, you yeah. unwind. How do you unwind? Just throw on a t-shirt and then uh, uh, ab- just. Absolutely. Grab a beer. Grab a beer? And My present. You know, do you remember? Do you remember the the Key West or or Bahama trips or whatever that oh, uh, yeah. the Jim or not Jim but Bill Dad and yeah. Helton and those guys went on for? You bring that back. Yeah. Yeah. Why are you not doing? What, yeah. What's going on here? I mean, you know, <laughs> you get, you Bahamas. Get, is, you, you get something. I you went get, to visit you at Key West. Yeah, you did. You need to get a you know get in your shirt. In your shorts, <laughs> get some of the executives that I are cool. Your house in shorts. You did. You're not get, the non-cool. Did, just get had the cool a couple ones. beers. We did. Get a couple of the cool executives. <laughs> get a couple of the cool drivers. O'Donnell, he's in. Yeah. Get O'Donnell. He's well, cool. I'll hang out. Yeah. We'll make up some decisions. <laughs> we'll come up with some decisions. All your problems are fixed. Justin Key West, right? A, I'm for it. That's all the counsel you need. <laughs> can we go? Can we go now? <laughs> all right, man. Awesome Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for your time, guys. Yes. Appreciate right. it. Oh, we're reading this with Matthew Dillner's sense of humor and inflected into I got it. This is going to be fun. Don't be too cheesy now. <laughs> Modifieds. <laughs> Pizza. 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 Bowman Green. <laughs> Islanders. Spinning chicklets. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you guys know that I love to buy stuff on uh, online, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. I'm telling you, this is the place that I'm going to here lately. You need to check it out. PristineAuction.com. It's an online sports auction website where you can bid and win some incredible items. There's a lot of great stuff on there: diecast helmets, eight by tens, all sorts of unique autographed memorabilia. Mm. That's Mike's favorite word. I like that one. <clears throat> Mike, uh, he knows about other stuff on there. It's not just sports. It's, it's, there's all kinds of things, right? Yeah, I mean, like, do you got a favorite movie? I mean, but there's a chance that uh, whatever your favorite movie is, Tombstone. there's something from it. Tombstone yeah. is, yeah. I mean, I got other favorite movies too. Yeah. There's Doc all Holiday. kinds of movies. I'm big, I'm big on the Doc Holiday yeah. stuff. Yeah, our gun, gun is big. By the way, you know where is it? Yeah, I knew you were going to ask that. He's not 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 want to talk about it. Well, you don't right. want to did put you it take up it in home? here. <laughs> I did only to show somebody. Oh, he took it home. <laughs> but I'm going to bring it back. Okay, it's ours. It's <laughs> ours. No, no, it is. It is. No, it totally is. Can't, no one else but, would take but, it home without sell, saying something. I wanted something. to show. <laughs> oh wait, we all brought Hold in up. stuff from our homes. I brought stuff. Yeah, you we, brought stuff for the this, studio. What about you, Mike? I mean, yeah, come where's on. your stuff? Where's your stuff? Did Look, you? I got a big shoe sitting right next to me. Is that not count? Look at this. It's Shaquille O'Neal's shoe. Dale had to come get it out of your office. Yeah, well, I don't, we're not talking about how it got here. We're yeah. just talking about it's here. Well, I'm, it is I'm signed. bringing the is gun it back. It is signed. It is. Yeah, look. You're bringing the gun back. All right. All right. Well, they have different types of auctions as well. Uh, daily auctions where you don't have to wait around multiple days to bid to win. There's also a 10-minute auction. That's probably my favorite. That, that way you get in there and you get it done fast. You get the item. Sometimes you get these people not paying attention. You can get some stuff on some really good deals. But also, it's quick. Ten minutes, and you've got the item you've wanted. It's coming to your house. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about my favorite word, authenticity. I got it. You nailed it. Yeah. But you, let's see if you can get All the, the items on here are fully authentic. <laughs> <laughs> authentic- nailed it. Authenticated. Because you don't say it the same way, authenticity and authenticated. They're two different words, it's a tough, It's a tough yeah. deal. Derived from the same word. Yeah, but that's, way, that's the way the English language works that's at times. Right. The trusted people that are signing these things, these autographs on this website are legit. They are from the people that actually are the people. That's right. How do I know that? Well, because you've signed for That's them. right. And you're a real person. I've signed for Pristine. I'm a real person. 
And when I write my name, it's my name. So uh, the, the the things that you've signed, the, <laughs> things, real. the things that you've signed, there is right now a nine inch NASCAR limited edition attitude character figurine on there. It doesn't say Dale Jr., but let's just say when I say attitude, you're supposed to think Dale Jr. because that's what it is. It's a figurine of Dale Jr. I'm reading this part because it'd be awkward for Dale to read about his own figurine, wouldn't it be? Yeah, but I am going to say it's up to $31 after five bids. That's pretty good. <laughs> you're feeling Start good. Start at a dollar, so. Having yeah. the experience that I have uh, at auction websites, I think that's doing pretty good. That's a good starting point. You know what? We're not going to compare to other drivers because, you know, we in this part of the read, we've mentioned other drivers in their in their merchandise. Yeah. And then we catch hell for it on social media. We're like, we're talking smack about I've the other never, people. I've never read anything so, bad on social media, Mike. <laughs> no. Well, all right. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> Don't talk bad about social media. Okay. It's a good place of sunshine and roses. Rainbows. Butterflies. Rainbows. Unicorns. And Daryl Walter fans don't get offended over things. Well, check out pristineauction.com now. You'll be hooked. It's free to register, free to bid, and you only pay for the items you win. You only pay for the items you win. That makes sense. I mean, right. nothing would suck worse than to pay for the items <laughs> you don't win. <laughs> That's Pristine Auction, spelled P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, auction.com. Why don't we spell out the auction part? <laughs> and then you register. D-O-T-C-O-M. And when you register, be sure to select the Dale Jr. Download podcast from the drop-down menu in the How Did You Hear About Us section. I'm sorry if that's confusing, but it lets them know that we've sent you there. Boom. <laughs> you say boom like we nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, in honor, I guess, of Steve Phelps, we've got a great little uh, segment of the show, President for the Day. So what I wanted to get done here is to try to understand if you were president of NASCAR, what would you do? You just have one day to get it done? One day. You got to make it happen. Do you have an idea? I've I'm, got one. I'm still thinking. All right. I, I, I've, I, I struggle I, with this one. It's a very difficult. I've been asked this a million times. It's not easy. It's a conversation that people like to have all the time because everyone has an opinion on how they would fix NASCAR. Mm-hmm. Here's mine. Good. I would make it where the drivers could talk and communicate to each other during the race. Mm. I want to be able, hey, you could even give him a little CB radio. <laughs> Daisy, got your ears on, Boyer? You know, I don't know. Come on, Turkey. I'm serious, though. Now, think about this. And I, I, this is not just some, you know, I'm serious. I have thought this for years. I want them to be, I want to be, if they're really so big and bad like they think they are, I want them to be able to say it to each other. I don't want them to be able to talk through spotters, and I really don't want them to have to talk through media, you know, the post-race interviews. I want them to say it to each other during the race. And that doesn't seem like that would be that hard. It doesn't seem like it would be that hard. Think about the viewer. If you could hear Clint Boyer in the car during qualifying as Ryan Newman blocks his center lane, hear what Boyer has to say about that. And actually not even hear what he has to say about it. Hear him tell Newman, get your ass out of the way. Oh, please, let's do this while here. Kurt Busch is still running. Kurt please. Busch. Please. This, honestly, this is, when I thir- <laughs> this is when I first thought of this. This is years ago. I want to be able to hear Kurt, Bu- Kurt Busch say something to his team. Because, you know, he was always dogging his teammates. No matter what team. Roush, Stuart <laughs> Haas. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter. I wanted to hear him do it with the teammates and hear the reaction. I don't know. I just like it. It seems like in the, today's technology, we can make that happen. That way I don't have to hear TJ go, I told a spotter. I don't want him, I don't want the spotters to get involved in it. I want to be able to hear it. I think it would be good TV. That's me. <laughs> 
I love that idea. <laughs> Matthew. It's different. Oh, man. I think it's a great idea, Mike. Drivers so. talking to each other. That way they, you know, they can. I think that would create more drama on the track if they could. Yes. Degrade each other. Yeah, degrade <laughs> each other. You know, think about even at the restrictor plate tracks. Matthew, you you reminded me. They used was to there have not that. a time when the drivers could talk to each other? Yeah, yeah. there was that dial. Remember that day? Yeah, we had a dial on the dash. You could turn it to each driver. Right. During the, uh, the uh, what did you call it, the, the, the dancing partners phase. Tandem. The tandem, tandem phase. Yeah. Just have, you know, maybe you have your favorite five, you know, <laughs> like on the phones. You, oh, wait, so it's like a Seinfeld. It's like you didn't make my Maybe you got dial. five people you think you may have something to say to during the race. <laughs> okay. Put your, put oh, your five Lord. on there. <laughs> oh, Lord. Matthew. I would run the truck series. I'd revamp the truck series. Um, I think most of their events are companion. You would be president of the truck series? No, well, I, I think there's a lot of things that we can <laughs> just hold up here. The truck series would be better served. Hear, hear me out on this. Truck series would be better served instead of running as a third uh, companion in the cup weekends. They would be better served running companion events at short tracks with ARCA, with the East Series, with the West Series. Especially start out West. Then have shows with the E-Series and ARCA that would make the uh, the foundation of the sport stronger. But as far as Cup, it's bottom line, noon start times. I know there's different parties involved that may not like that, but I've always said if you want to uh, hook the viewer, especially during football season, you have zero chance, you have less of a chance to do so starting the races at 2 or 3 o'clock. If I'm sitting on my mm -hmm. couch and I'm going to have a football game starting at 1.00, and the race comes on, you hooked me, you give me a chance for an hour to be hooked, okay? And then maybe my team doesn't play till four. So I'll watch that whole race. Well, me, you know, I'm a nerd. I'll watch it either way. But for a person that's split between that, that gives our sport more of a chance to have eyes on it, noon start times. But but what is I missed this, the truck series. So you're saying you would noon start times for cup or for trucks? Noon, noon start times for cup. Trucks need to be revamped, get back to the old school short tracks, run them with the East Series okay. and the West Series. It'll bring new life into the truck series. East Series competitors, West Series competitors that you. buy trucks, get involved. Um, ARCA, now that NASCAR has purchased ARCA, I think that would be a huge thing as well. So, so you got two decisions you made on your day. Heck yeah, man. I'm, I'm working hard. You, you packed that day full. I'm working Making hard. a full right. day. Gotcha. Working hard. What about you? Um, I think, I mean, I'm obviously social media, so I need to be able to sit at the racetrack and have functioning Wi-Fi. I know oh, that's something oh yeah. that, that a lot of places struggle with. Um, and I'm kind of new around here, and I know that was a big struggle on the NHRA side. Um, so that would be probably top of my priority list. But then I also have this crazy dream in my head of creating the ultimate motorsports experience and make it one weekend, have the World of Outlaws on Friday night, have an NHRA exhibition on Saturday, and race cup cars on Sunday. What about I know a track that could do that. I know yeah. a track that could, uh, you know, SMI. Maybe, could. Yeah. You can do it at Vegas as well. Yeah. Yeah. That would be cool. Good idea. Yeah. Very cool. I like, these ideas are amazing. And um, I would have to focus my um, my time on the new Gen 7 car. And I would want it to look as identical to the manufactured production model as possible. I'm talking off the ground, uh, body panels, ma every measurement almost as identical as I could possibly get it to the production model to where it was unmistakable, unmistakable. Mm. Cup as, holder. As to what car you were looking at and what and who, who was the manufacturer of that car. I would, I would have them design an open engine that wasn't limited by spacer plates or anything like that. Um, that was creating 550 horsepower. So there would hopefully be more throttle response for the drivers in the corner. I would eliminate 
every ounce of downforce that I possibly could off the cars. That's including side force as well. And uh, I would try to find a way to put as much possible drag on the nose of the cars as I possibly could. Whether that's, I mean, standing the windshields back up toward the production models. Mm, uh, that'd be cool. Whatever it takes to get drag on the front half of the car. Because um, I think that would you know, help sort of disable the leader just a little bit and give the following cars that advantage to draft up and get um, get the slingshot possibly back into racing. Um, what would you do with the spoiler in the back? Like, like I really want, would want to know what you would think. On I'd that. just let the teams put whatever, whatever they wanted. Okay. Really? I'd make it real short and ineffective, and they could lay the thumb down flat if they wanted to. And I'd also make a more uh, – I'd narrow the tire up. I would uh, I would think about all kinds of different things you could do with the tire. I've heard drivers talk about having different size wheels and, and uh, maybe a shorter profile tire or whatever. I don't know. That would be something I'd listen to and want to know more about of why you want to do those things. But I think less tire on the ground is going to take away some grip and corner speed. I've, we've always searched for a way to really slow down the corner speeds a little bit and get off throttle time, and I think a, you know less tire on the ground would, would – achieve that and it'd be a very risky move to uh try to develop that kind of, that tire and safely but that'd be a direction that i'd try to go to to create this new gen 7 car is a great opportunity to really make all these changes and um i do not want to miss those opportunities but i think you guys had a lot of great ideas the wi-fi well, it's funny huge. every huge. one of our every- ideas were in our respective corners of the of the earth here dale jr was the most driver idea ever right he wanted he wanted to make changes to the car. Yeah, Leah wanted to do something to make social media better. Yeah. <laughs> right? Perfect. A lot of people on Matthew social media. Matthew wants his TV time. <laughs> yeah. A lot, when I went online and asked the fans about Phelps and what, should, what we should ask him, a lot of people talked about Wi-Fi. You know, <laughs> no excuse on why you don't have that problem fixed. We shouldn't have to be president for a day to fix that. Yeah, that should have been done five years ago. Anyways, work on that, Leah. I'm on it. No, for real. That's interesting. Yeah, good stuff. All right, live ass junior coming up. You guys ready to go live here? Sure. Stand by. Stand by. Your mics are hot. We are live. Hey, everybody. It's Dale Jr. For the Dale Jr. Download, this is the Ask Jr. Live segment of the show on YouTube. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Co-host Mike Davis. Uh, Leah's in there getting y'all's questions ready, so let's get after it. (laughs) We got some good ones today. I mean, in my opinion, we'll see what you think. Uh, First one. This is a big one. If you had known Mike Davis in elementary school, do you think you guys would have been friends or foes? (laughs) Jeez, that's the first question. It's I funny. think we would have probably been friends. I was friends with most everybody. Yeah, me yeah. too. I was friends. I didn't have any enemies. I didn't have any foes. Yeah, I think when you were in high school, um, what what was the group you think you were in? Were you a prep? Were you hmm. were you one of the rednecks? Um, no, I wasn't. Jock? No, I wasn't. The, I what were you? I wasn't. Were you one, one of the, the guys <laughs> in the carpentry class? No, the shop. Yeah, shop, shop class. Shop guys. class. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't the shop class guy. Kind of wish I was. I, I could well, have used that you? now. I, I don't. I don't know. You, I, were in the, you I, just had. A, I, you know, I played sports, and I. So you were I just a sports guy, friends. jockey. Yeah, I, but what? I wasn't called. I wasn't good enough to be a okay. jock. I yeah. mean, don't you have to kind of be? good? I played sports, and I wasn't a jock either. All right, so uh, maybe we would have been buddies. I was. Yeah. Uh, I think I fell in the redneck category. Really? Yeah, I hung out with people that wore Bocephus shirts. And <laughs> <laughs> Did you wear Bocephus we, shirt? Uh-uh. In the, <laughs> after school, rode dirt bikes and went mudding in our trucks. Yeah. You definitely were that. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> I wasn't a prep, and uh, I did play sports, but I wasn't. I got a letter jacket, but I wasn't good. 
So I didn't all the jocks. I didn't get to hang out with them. They weren't. I wasn't good enough. You got a letter jacket though. I did. I mean, yeah. So you went to you, state. Got did, me a little state patch. Did you have a girlfriend? Did she wear your letter jacket? I had a girlfriend. A uh, no, I never had a girlfriend all through high school. Really? Mm-hmm. All right. So we would have been friends. I, missed, I, I, I didn't go to any of the dances. Really? Never went to the prom. Nothing. Never went to the prom. Never went to prom. Nope. This is kind of pitiful. It was. I was racing. What well, was there? Was there like a, a, a tractor pull or something? No, you and your boys had to I go to. <laughs> I was racing my street stock with Carrie at sixteen. So I mean, all through high school, I was racing tree stocks or late models or something. Well, Carrie would have gone to the prom. Carrie was probably married well, by that time, wasn't he? I want to hear some of your high school. This ain't all about me. So it is though. It's, it's called Ask Junior. Then <laughs> it's totally all about Ask Mike Davis. Okay. <laughs> I, we're still curious as to what Mike's high school career was like. We'll find out later. Next question, Liv. <laughs> There's a big cardboard cutout of my head up in my office. I mean, I, you get you know a little bit. <laughs> anyway, John Riggs. He wants to know since it's April Fool's John Day, Riggins. what is the best Diesel. joke you've ever seen pulled? Say what? Oh, uh, it's April, April Fool's, Fool's Day. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, there's been some good ones. I can't even think of them. But what was one we fell for in the industry? There's been a few good ones in the last couple of years. Yeah, usually the it's usually like Texas Richard Motors, Petty's coming back. You Texas know? Motor Speedway, like Eddie Gossage, has he put out a re- release today? I mean, I really, I'm asking because I, I saw a good one where the I think the orange cone created another uh, Twitter account and where orange is, he used the letter zero, so you could hardly tell it was different. And then he said, he's like, oh no, I sw- I changed the my my ha- handle name and lost all my followers. Oh, wow, yeah. And everybody's yeah. like, oh, man, how'd that happen? Yeah. But it's not the same account. Yeah. I thought that was really clever. I bet you've been holding on to that one for a while. Didn't he just come out and tweet out that he got somebody pregnant? And uh, he, he, I think he did that today. What? I, I think he did that today. This is today. Like the real yeah. orange cone? Yeah. Or the person, the real person behind it. <laughs> oh, geez. Who knows? Baby I cones. don't know. I don't know Mike's story. The character or the yeah. human? Well, like, pull his, th- uh, pull his thing up. Here, y'all finish this. Let me, let me, uh, yeah. <laughs> Mike's leaving. Mike, bye, Mike. See ya. <laughs> See you, Mike. Next question. Thanks for coming. Uh, Laura, Chris wants to know what's your favorite piece of decor in this new studio, and what does it mean to you? Oh my God. Okay. Uh, there's a roof of Dad's number two, 1979-1980 Monte Carlo. It's not the real roof. We actually got that roof out out of a car in the junkyard for twenty bucks with the decals and the paint. And a little bit of grinding and cutting and cleaning up. Uh, we got a hundred, hundred and twenty-five dollars into that thing, and it looks real. And uh, I think it's the greatest kind of man cave piece you could have. And anybody out there could make that and create that. If you got a favorite race car from any part of history in NASCAR, you could go get a junkyard roof and pretty much create that roof uh, without having to find the real thing. And it looks beautiful. I think it's uh, by far my favorite piece. What I miss? My favorite part in a piece in this room. Okay. And he didn't say Mike Davis. Can you guess what it is? My favorite thing in the room. All the little mementos. How well do you know Dale Jr.? Give her hell, Mike. Come on. Listen, I would have thought maybe the Jimmy Means helmet. Yeah. That that would have been my guess. Or maybe the the, the roof. It is? Mm -hmm. Okay. Roof's cool. (laughs) Uh, Justin Kennedy, who decides which race teams will carry in-car cameras? Is it uh, possible that every car could have a camera every weekend? Uh, Well, that would be the, the... the best case scenario would be awfully expensive uh, to have a camera in every single car and plus having the infrastructure to be able to control every camera in every car, having the people behind the scenes that are controlling those cameras and, and being able to help you understand what you're watching. Who decides what's, what cameras get what car? So 
we get an email in the middle of the week from the guy who kind of handles that whole department with the in-car cameras. And he'll say, what cars do you guys, would you guys love to see a camera in? We'll tell him, as, uh, as in me, Steve LaTarte, Jeff Burton, Rick Allen, and he'll go and try to ask those crew chiefs if we can put the camera in there. And it really comes down to whether the crew chief and driver prefer it or have a problem with having the camera in there. It's a service they're doing for us. When the drivers and crew chiefs accept the camera, they're doing us a favor. We have sponsors uh, that are willing to buy those cameras uh, to help pay for that you know, process, but, uh, but that's how that process works. And the crew chief or driver will say, no, I don't want the camera, and we'll have to think of the next guy we'd love to have the camera in or another car and, uh, that we'd like to have. And we can even decide what cameras. So some cars will get a 360 panner on the side or some cars you know, will get a looking back at the driver camera. Uh, there's that new camera that we have on the cars at some racetracks that's right down on the ground on the nose of the car, and, and we try to pick where who's going to get what camera because of how we feel like that driver's going to have race during the day. If we feel like he's going to be passing a lot of people, then we want that side panner. <laughs> you know, if we feel like he's going to be behind a lot of guys real close, we'll put that you know camera on that car. If we think it's, you know, you don't want to put a nose camera on the car that you think is going to lead every lap because you'll never get any great shots out of it. So, uh it's, it's pretty interesting how much involvement <laughs> we have in it, I think. JT wants to know, is Carl Edwards ever going to be a guest? Carl is on our list. I have a guest list sitting right here. I'm looking straight at it. And we've got about 40 people on that list, and Carl's in there. we got more guest targets than we have shows. We but do. Yeah, yes. he's on it. Somebody actually just chimed in, Mike Skinner. Would you uh, consider Skinner? I, mean, I don't that, know. I don't know if we uh, ever put I that one on I don't know if he's there. on the list. That wouldn't be a bad no. uh, you know, guest because I have questions about him with Jeff uh, I mean, Rusty Wallace talked about being a bad teammate. That's right. Uh, not wanting teammates. And he, he mentioned Dad being the same way, and I know Dad did not like the idea of having a teammate, whether it was Mike Skinner or anybody else, nothing personal to Mike, but Dad did not want a teammate. And so it'll be interesting to hear from Mike's point of view how all that went down. And Yeah. Dave Mitchell wants to know, where does the name Dirty Mo come from? Dirty Mo comes from Dirty Mooresville. We, Dirty Mo is just a nickname for Mooresville, the town. I went to school there, and everybody at school called it the Dirty Mo. And uh, now that I know what crowd you've uh, ran with, <laughs> now it even makes more sense. <laughs> so that's just a, it's an affinity for Mooresville. It's really a a, a nice a, it's an endearing term, even though it doesn't sound like it. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas Hicks, what do you think Alex Bowman needs to do to get his first win? Well, uh, you know, Alex is. I think Alex has a lot of great talent. They really struggled this year, and this weekend had been real tough because they had great speed and then just had a lot of uh, things go uh, throughout the weekend that ended up having a terrible result. Wrecked in qualifying, didn't Yeah. Um, he had a lot of problems all weekend long, that, and his teammates were up there running up front. And I've been in that situation where you're a teammate and you're not the best teammate and you may be the worst teammate, and you got all the other guys are running great, and you're, you're decidedly worst. Uh, worse off than they are. That's extremely frustrating. I believe in his talent. I believe that he can get it done. And this isn't a knock on the team. This isn't a knock on Greg Ives or anything like that. Greg Ives will say this. Uh, Steve Letarte told me this as well. When we weren't running good, we needed better cars. We need better cars and faster cars. When Jimmy Johnson wasn't performing well over the last 12 months, he needs better race cars. Jimmy Johnson's a seven-time champion. To run up front, he needs a good car. And so when he's not running up front, I have to say that it's probably something to do with the vehicle itself. And um, hopefully they can get that sorted out. But I think over the last weekend, you know, Hendricks seemed to see show quite a bit of speed in at least three of their cars. 
And that information trickles right down into that 88 team and, and Alex Bowman, and hopefully they'll start uh, showing up on the racetrack. Bobby Gray, any plans on coming to Bowman Gray to watch my Myers boys run? I would probably go there with Matthew. Um, Matthew's been going to Bowman Gray forever. I've never been to Bowman Gray, and I've thought about going on several occasions, and I'd love to do it just to say that I have. It's kind of a bucket list item for me, to be honest with you. So I'd love to go to Bowman Gray and see a race, um, and I know with the time now that I have not driving race cars, I can do that. But I'd probably just go with you, Max. And yeah, let's make it happen. You know where to go and mm-hmm. what's good on the menu. And I know what's good on the menu. Yeah. We were talking about it the other day. Yeah, but you get them. You get. I don't know how much uh, early you want to go. Polyums closes uh, pretty early. Yeah, Polyums closes early. Mm-hmm. Right. They close early because they go to Bowman Gray. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. But they got these little suites and stuff. Yeah, we we'll go with, we'll, the, we'll with go, the balcony out front. Yeah, if you want to go, we'll go to Polyums and then we'll go find a spot in uh, Winston's Helm, have a few beers, and then we'll go back because you don't yeah. want to sit out in that sun that long. Yeah, you know? sounds perfect. All right, that's a wrap. All right, guys, that's the Ash Junior segment of our show on uh, YouTube. Thanks to Nationwide for. Uh, Uh, presenting sponsor of that segment. I appreciate everybody for tuning in. Keep coming, bud. White flag, bud. White flag right there. White flag. White flag. Some of our more recent reviews on Apple Podcasts. Y'all ready for this? Oh, yeah. All right. Jason from Waynesburg, Pennsylvania. I'm a captain on a riverboat and look forward to listening to Dale Jr. (laughs) (laughs) I look forward to listening to Dale Jr. and crew every week while I'm steering up and down the river. Oh, that's so cool. Keep it between the buoys, buddy. (laughs) Um, So, Taz... Niffer says, I wasn't a race fan. I would tell people I like Dale Jr. because he's a few months younger than me and hot. Oh. But then I met my husband. He was a huge senior fan and taught me about all the history of the sport. Now I'm addicted to this podcast, not because it's junior, but because it's educational to those of us who married into the sport. So there you go. Nice. Um, C. Hal says, I just want my review read in the podcast, and Jeff Gordon is the greatest of all time. All right. That's going to help us out uh, <laughs> to make our show better, right? Um, last one here. I got. Uh, listen, Dilner comes up into these previews, or I'm sorry, into these reviews. Uh, did y'all know this? Uh, you, so you got, have got a Dilner hater? So, no, 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 no. Well, no, no. you tell me. All right. So I don't know the name of this. It's uh, SLBUSA list of pros and cons to the show. I'm not going to get into all the pros and all the cons, but this was interesting to me. One of the pros was Dilner seems to be Mike and Dell's punching bag, and they listed it as a pro. <laughs> And then on one of the cons, Dillner seems to be Mike and Dale's punching bag. <laughs> and they said it's sometimes awkward. So I, I don't know. Do, are, I didn't think Dillner was our punching bag. Did you? I do, I do agree that at times it's, it's awkward. Okay. But do you consider it a pro or a con? <laughs> I'll let you all answer that. <laughs> Dillner, do you feel like we punch on you a little bit? Oh, uh, You have in the past. But, right. but I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. From, I can take it. I did, Dude, I'm not. I, I, I didn't know that. I don't have to go cry in a safe space. We're good. Did you Mike, write this review? I think Mike has a secret, guilty sort of conscience over it, and he and he's reading this to help his self, like like therapy, in a bit of an. This is a sort of an apology to you. Or it's put, it, not. put it this way: I've I've always had this relationship. <laughs> Mike is you know. It's awkward for Mike to bring it up and, and want to apologize. Hey, so listen, really have you sorry. ever been in a meeting with Dillner? Dillner punches back. He just may not do it on this show. Correct. Dillner is Dillner's from New York. Okay? Don't tell me. The people feeling sorry for Dillner. It's, you don't have to feel sorry for him. He gets his punches in. He does. He does. He does. Le- Lee is agreeing with me here. <laughs> There's Mike. Mike's justifying his <laughs> All right, here style, and aggressive style, too. Do you feel bad about punching him? Uh, momentarily. <laughs> <laughs> you get over it and quick. It goes away. Yeah. <laughs> I've had relationships with my friends where it's like 
you can come up and punch me in the face and you know we're guys you know i wouldn't if, hang out with those guys anymore oh no, man you can punch me in the face and like a, a week later man hey let's just have a beer i've never hung out with a friend that punched me in the face who are these people i actually did once it was a lot of beers if you had your friend hanging outside of your race half out your race car would you gun it my we friend always, no that's what y'all okay math we would always wrestle oh yeah wrestling yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure for yeah. sure uh, okay, to rate and review the Dale Jr. download, go on our page on Apple Podcasts, click on the Rate and Review tab, and have at it. Uh, we'll read a few of those each week on Dale Jr. download. Subscribe to Dirty Mo Media's YouTube page, please. That's where you'll find many videos uh, of our podcast, uh, this Dale Jr. download, plus Door Bumper Clear. you also find the original video series, Jerem 360, and The Drop by Bubba Wallace. All kinds of good stuff there. Uh, the Dale Jr. download TV show will air Tuesday night at 5 p.m. on NBC Sports Network. By the way, you sent me said, I think it's doing pretty good, don't you think? What's I think that? our TV show's doing all right. The TV show's doing great. Yeah. Yeah. I like what we're Appreciate seeing. Appreciate everybody out of that. tuning in. I, I think Door Bump Clear, Clear Guy's been kicking some butt here lately. Yeah, I do yeah. too. How's the drop doing? Uh, drop's uh, doing, uh, okay, listen. It's not for everybody. I think that's what we <laughs> want to try to say. <laughs> Listen, that, that, uh, to, to say that it's Still. been 100% unanimous positive, not, not the case. But the people that are being negative Nancys, it's not for you. Don't hate on us because we're yeah, doing something for different. You. Right. It is. It is. Be bold. It's got, it's, it's got a unique niche crowd, and I think once it finds That's right. those folks, and, right. or they it, find it. It is in our – don't take this the wrong way, everybody. It may not be our current audience. It may be the audience we're trying to get. All right? So, listen, we're not trying to change up our sport here. We're just trying to add something else yeah. that might be interesting to them. Be so there nice you go. to us. Right. Uh, no, you can be mean. I don't care. It bothers Lee if one it doesn't. Don't use uh, this as a punching bag. All right. Lastly, don't forget to buy a raffle ticket on WendellJuniorsRide.com. It's a 2019 Corvette Coupe Z06. I've shortened up that read to just that. Uh, it comes with a lot of other you stuff. You don't want to do the micro just machine my <laughs> Just take my word for it. Uh, it's easy. Again, go to WendellJuniorsRide.com. That's it. All right, ma'am. It's time for some odd history. This is a good one. Take yourself back to 1961, Asheville. Asheville Speedway. Asheville, Asheville Weaver. Weather, well, uh, Weaverville Speedway. Is it Weaverville? Weatherville. 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 Weaverville. Weaver. Just Weaver. Asheville yeah. Weaver. None of those sound the same, so y'all are really butchering two of Asheville, the three. Asheville, North Carolina. <laughs> That's better. <laughs> well, Asheville, North Carolina. That, that track, by the way, is a, a walking track. You yeah, could go I, there right I, now and walk around it like it's a park. Yeah, I went and tested there um, okay. a long time ago with my late model. Just after the start of the race, though, in 1961, the surface began to come apart, and it formed a bunch of potholes, big giant ones. Actually, one went through Junior Johnson's windshield about a bit bigger than a baseball, right at the A post, right in front of him, right where he's sitting. Uh, Junior sat on the pole of the race, but as uh, these uh, these potholes started to form, efforts were made to repair the pavement uh, to no avail. Uh, with the race under red flag at the 208th lap of the scheduled 500 laps, NASCAR officials told the drivers and the crews that the race was going to end after 50 more additional laps. The drivers would get a final red flag and a checkered flag simultaneously. No announcement of the decision was made over the track's loudspeakers, so it was a surprise to all 4,000 attending <laughs> fans when Junior Johnson was flagged the winner on lap 258, and some started screaming and yelling in protest. The track promoter had long gone. He had long left the facility. <laughs> He's gone. I'm out. With the gate receipts. <laughs> yeah. All right? And the protests grew in intensity, and it quickly became a riot when a large logging truck was pushed into the opening leading to the infield and pit road. <laughs> and that basically, uh, with the track having no tunnel, that blocked uh, 
the access to the racetrack and the competitors were trapped inside. <laughs> At one point, a would-be mediator uh, tried to talk some sense into uh, the, the irate throng and was picked up and thrown into a pond. Oh. <laughs> Law enforcement officers from the uh, county sheriff's office and the North Carolina Highway State Patrol were summoned. Uh, but they were outnumbered, and they could do little. Junior Johnson says, I remember it vividly. We'd lost patience, and one of the crew fellas, Pop Urgle. <laughs> oh, that's not Pop. even a joke. That's no. his name. All Pop right, Urgle. He went to the <laughs> gate, and he told them, we're coming out. And a riot ringleader who had a two-by-four poked Pop in the belly with it. <laughs> and Pop, he was a big guy, and he worked for Bud Moore. He was 6'6", 285 pounds. He grabbed that board and started swinging. And before long, the place was cleared out and everyone left. Not one single refund was paid. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah, buddy. Pop. <laughs> it's here for Pop. Good job, Pop. <laughs> oh, man. All right, man, that's the show. Appreciate everybody tuning in. A lot of fun. Thanks, Steve Phelps. We got to thank NASCAR Man for all the odd history. Guy's a great supporter of this podcast. Love his work on social media. We'll see you guys next week. Check out Dirty Mo Media on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Dirty Mo.